Welcome back to the Stick 'em Up podcast. Brundy, what do you got for us today? Oh, we've surprisingly actually got a decent amount as opposed to what we normally have. Um, usually we're kind of scrambling, trying to figure out what what we want to talk about. But I think we I think we got quite a couple things uh today here that that we can discuss. Um Yeah, we got some stuff. To start off, probably kind of the We'll, we'll start off with some good stuff to um to to kind of acknowledgments around the league of some greats. Um, th- this first one I didn't know about. You told me, or you brought it to my attention about it because I didn't know. Um, but Mike Madano is going to be getting a stout uh, a stature statue. Um, out outside we'll of American Airlines Center in Dallas, so that's pretty pretty special for for someone like Madano there. Yeah, and uh for those of you who don't know, he uh had a a somewhat uh messy leaving with uh Dallas in the end. And uh he's been working uh in some capacity with I believe it's the Avalanche and their organization for the last few years. So a lot of people are hoping this is a a bit of an olive branch there that, you know, the the organization in Dallas wants to, you know, he's probably their greatest player of all time as it stands, at least with the, within their franchise. So, um, you know, you want to hope that they don't, they don't hate that franchise in the end. That always just sucks. So it'd be really good to see them yeah. kind of patch things up a bit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah, you got to assume that's kind of the start to it and hopefully maybe, uh, it leads to something down the road of Madano returning to uh, the Stars organization and in, in some kind of management role, uh, depending on you know maybe what the two sides agree on. Um, and the other one that just took place last night, uh, the Nashville Predators kind of I, I don't know what to call it because they didn't retire a number, um, but they did retire or raise a banner um, in honor of David Poyle um, for his numerous years as the general manager of the Nashville Predators um everything he, he did there he and was their general manager since the start of their of yeah. them being a franchise right up until like last year <laughs> up until like, he up until he stepped down last year yeah, he was their their guy running the ship and now they've also recently said um they they announced it yesterday during the retirement thing that they're they're introducing some kind of like um I, I don't even know what it's called, but kind of like a Nashville Sports Hall of Fame type thing, something kind of like that, but they use different words. And basically they offered David Poyle the job of being the chairman of it and deciding um who who gets in and who who doesn't. I mean, it's it's all based around like hockey, like within the Nashville Predators organization. And so they've offered David Poyle the job of being the chairman of that and getting to decide who who gets in and who doesn't because anyone who's going to get in or has a chance to get in as of right now would have had to have worked alongside him in Nashville because like you said, he's been there through it all. So that's another pretty pretty big thing for David Poyle there as he continues to um, carry on his legacy there in Nashville. Yeah, that's really cool. And especially knowing a bit more than I I used to about David Poyle because uh, at the draft, they'd had so much stuff with him. They had so many guys come out and talk about him. Uh, like, he's 
he's had an effect on like like eighty percent of the people in the league. Like he is he is coached, played with, uh, general managed. He he's done it all. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really cool to see him yeah. get that honor and be able to do that going forward. Yeah, yeah, like that, that, that's awesome for not only him, uh, the entire Predators organization, um, just very well deserved, and uh, the the start of just bigger and better things coming for for hockey in Nashville. There. Uh, and, what, uh, do you, what do you got for us next? Uh, I figure we might as well go back and forth. We got uh, we got a couple random things that have happened throughout the last week, but uh, we'll stick with the Predators. Um, uh, for those who didn't see, uh, the Avs faced the Predators in Nashville last week, and the Avs were up 3-2 with about 45 seconds left when the Predators scored to tie it up, and then they scored again 20 seconds later to steal the win from the Avs with about 20 seconds left. And yeah, man, Nashville is such a hard team not to root for. Every time you see them in their home arena, that building is packed and the people are losing their minds. Yeah. Like that looks Even like such a fun place kind of a to play. Building team now. Yeah, like the place lost it. the The team was so excited. It that was that was a really fun highlight package to watch. Yeah. Um. I got two things here. One I'm like excited for the other one. I'm like the way that it sounds like I don't give a shit about it. And it's tough because these are both scenarios of seeing the best um, in the league against the best. That being the all-star game and the world cup of hockey. I don't know if you've heard much news on, on either of those lately. Uh, I want to say there's something to do with the jerseys with the all-stars, but uh, I remember everyone seeming underwhelmed with whatever it was they announced. So, it, and it's not confirmed, but there's rumors swirling that for the All-Star game this year, um, I think it's in Toronto this year, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, um, yeah. It's, it sounds like they're they're debating going back to what they did, you know, what feels like eight, ten years ago now, doing the fantasy draft for the All-Star weekend. So that being, you've just got Team A versus Team B, uh, whoever you pick to be captains of the team, I, I don't know. Um, but then it being a, a draft style, so it's one team picks a player and they just go back and forth. So you you get a blend of of different players across the league playing with different guys, East, West, you know, Pacific, Atlantic. Like you've just got everybody all mixed up into two teams okay. uh, going against each other. Which I'm I'm totally all for. I think the whole the way they do it now, like I get it. It's it's fun, the three on three, but I think it's just getting stale. And I think you're just getting a lot Absolutely. of guys out there who just who don't really give a shit to be there. Like you can there's tell a lot they're of guys just not putting in effort in. Say they don't care. Like there's a I, lot of guys they, who are like, I want the extra f- fucking couple days off. I don't care about this. Meanwhile, you yeah. got guys like last year, Trevor Zegris was pissed. He that he wasn't invited. He well, he's he a guy be that better. people would people would pay to see him there like absolutely they would and he want actively wants to be there and they didn't invite him like again that's the thing is like it it is the all-star weekend and zegris wasn't performing well last year he's not performing well this year so how do you you know take a guy that's not doing much and being like well just because you want to be here you're all of a sudden an all-star like i think then that kind of takes away from yeah but the, the point of it is to be you know 
you you get the opportunity for different players each year. Like last year, you know, for the longest time, it was always uh, John Tavares or Matt Barzell or maybe Sorokin. Finally, Brock Nelson got in to the All-Star game because he's having a great season. And he, he won the accuracy competition against quite a few different players. And that's kind of the cool stuff you see. So I like the idea of of it being, you know, whoever's kind of the, the best in the league. I don't even mind the whole, at least one player from each team, because then that gives incentive for, um, you know, fans to watch me. Like, well, yeah, I'm a Coyotes fan, and, and they, don't, they don't even have a single player in it. Like, why would I watch and watch all these other guys? Like, Yeah, I definitely so get, I get that. that. They, but they it, need again, more players, though. Like, because you get, yeah. like, one, because they make this arbitrary rule of, we need one player from each team, which w- makes sense. But then there's this random rule of, okay, well, we can only have, you know, whatever it is, 40 players. So we can only have uh, eight more players after that. And it's like, yeah, like so many of these guys don't care about a lot of this stuff. Like if you really want them to show up, you you know, uh, I'm I'm trying to think of a guy, you know, Ovechkin in the past has been rather open about not caring about it. So maybe put, you know, you can advertise Ovechkin's going to be there and then you just have him play in the one of the all-star games and that's it. He doesn't have to be. And then that opens up another spot for a guy to be in one of the mm-hmm. competitions that he'd be in. Because, yeah. you know, I think, uh, you know, it's just, I, get, I definitely get the sentiment behind Zegris was having a down year, but or like not producing like an all-star, but... He's so flashy and fun to watch. He would bring in eyes. He was on the cover of the game. Like I think it's just eventually people get tired of seeing the same few players every year. Because if it's always like, we got to have McDavid there. You got to have Dryside. You got to have Zegris. You got to have like Jack Hughes. Eventually people are just going to get tired of seeing the exact same guys every year for it. I don't think we've ever had that issue in the NHL though. The only thing I've ever seen people say is we well, want more because, McDavid. Everyone's always because, like, why is McDavid only doing one competition? Well, and that's because McDavid chose to. Like, he didn't even want, want to do the fastest skater one year because he wants to show people that he can do more than just yeah. um, just be a fast skater. Yeah. So and, I kind of like the way that the league does it in terms of picking players. But I think it's in need of an overhaul. Like, again, the three-on-three tournament concept was was cool when it was first brought in. But then it kind of just got played out. Like, it just kind of wore out its welcome. And guys just started to give less and less of a shit about it. Like, I think having something on the line or something meaningful can maybe incentivize players to actually care more. Like, but I don't know. I I I think the All-Star Weekend is still a complete mess for the NHL. I think it's... You know, yeah. it, it, it's almost, I mean, it's impossible to be worse than uh, the Pro Bowl in the NFL. But the NHL All-Star Weekend is is very bad, and it's it's in desperate need of some some change-ups there. So if, if going back to the, you know, the, the, the All-Star Fantasy Draft format, if that's the start of them trying to bring some life back into that event, I think that's awesome for the league, though. But again, yeah. it's still, still a long ways away from... Uh, from people giving a shit again or even the players giving a shit again. Yeah. I know they've tried to incentivize them in the past couple of years by being like, you know, uh, the team together chooses a charity and the league will give like, you know, however much money to 
the charity that wins and like half the amount mm-hmm. to the rest of the charities or something like that. But yeah, you know, at the end of the day, all that money's going to charity. Like that's not going to make the guys go that much harder. Like, yeah, it, I know. And, and this is, uh, this is something pretty fucking trivial, but you see it get brought up almost every year that a, I think the first time somebody brought a kid out for the breakaway competition was like 2010, 2011, like somebody brought a kid out and there's like yeah. three guys doing it like every year now and they all get tens because what are you going to do? Give a kid a four. Yeah. And it's, and it's so stupid to sit around and argue the, the scoring of something that doesn't mean anything, but at the same time, maybe it should mean something, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. Like it, it sucks to watch uh, somebody do something really cool or innovative or just plain skill, and then somebody does the same thing six years in a row, stick handles with a kid, and and then the goalie falls down, and like it's all it's it's fun, but it's not. Uh, it's been done for over a decade now, and like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind that, of worn out. It's welcome. That's one of the events that people most tune in to see. I would say probably that one is the most. And mm-hmm. it's it's gotten very stale, and I think that's one that they really need need to give a, a bit of a spit shine to. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there there's a lot of issues with the All Star Weekend. I think they still have a lot to iron out. Um, the other big, you know, hockey event of best on best, the Hockey World, um, the World Cup of Hockey. There's been talks of that being brought back into. The picture come, I believe it's 2025. The only issue is it sounds like the talks going on with it is going to just include Canada, the United States, Sweden, and Finland. So how can you, and again, and and so the World Cup of Hockey, again, it was only started to really become a thing and something people wanted because NHL players weren't going to the Olympics. They're like, okay, if the NHL players can't go to the Olympics, at least give us this product, the World Cup of Hockey, where we can still see the best players from each country go head to head to head and in just a big tournament style. And now if if, I don't even want the World Cup of Hockey, if it's just going to be Canada, US, Finland, Sweden. Because at that point, who gives a shit? Like, I I get the reasons why Russia is not a part of it. I get that. But if you're taking out, you know, the Czech Republic that's growing, uh, Switzerland, Slovakia, uh, um, there's what, what, what was it? Slovakia that just recent? Yeah, Slovakia just had the number one and two overall pick, or is that Slovenia? No, it was Slovakia. Either way, one of the Slovakia, two, but I'm not 100. One of the sure. two just had the top two draft picks in one year for the first time ever. Uh, not this year, but the year prior in the draft. Like, I don't give a shit about a World Cup of Hockey if it's okay. It's a World Cup of Hockey, but. There's only four countries and they're handpicked by us because we think it, it makes the best action. Like then at that point, who, who gives a shit? Yeah. Let's give you best on best. By the way, Dreisaitl didn't crack a roster. Yeah. Like, I didn't even mention Germany. Football. Like you don't even get Dreisaitl. Like, yeah. It, it, it's just one of those things that it, there, it's there's like so I, many great talents that you don't get. You don't get Kucherov, Panarin, Ovechkin, Vasi, Sorokin. Like well, you, I get, I get the Russia thing. Like, I I get that. Yeah, but, but like, so that all those other countries are are being excluded for. 
again, I, I, I don't know if it's to just save money or they don't want to make it a whole big, you know, two, two and a half week long thing. Like it was before, like, it sounds like their plan is to, to have it and be like a, a one week thing. And then boom, it's done. Now we're, we're, we're focusing yeah. on, on NHL hockey. Like it, it seems like it, they're just trying to force it to be like, here you go. You've got it back. Shut up, but we're not going to do our best to actually give you guys what you want. They really are squeezing a shit out so they don't have to give us the Olympics. Exactly. They just, they don't want to give us the Olympics and that's all people want. And it's very frustrating. And you know what? If NHL players didn't go to the Olympics, but every four years they did this World Cup of Hockey the way they did back in, uh, would have been 2016. I'm okay with that then. I have absolutely no issue with that. But don't give us this just slap together shitty product just to be like yeah just to be like here you go this is what you want it's like no we want what we had back in 2016 or what we had in the olympics like to think that we're on year what is this now gonna be year eight or nine of mcdavid in the league and we've yet to see him and crosby together representing canada is just absurd and luckily crosby is fucking timeless but yeah. <laughs> we're ru- eventually we're going to run out of time to see that. And it's going to be a travesty if we don't get to see them play together. Especially with uh, next time the, the uh, Olympics come around, if Crosby's still up to the level, Bedard's going to be playing out of his mind, we could potentially see those three, these three generational talents play together. Yeah. And we might lose yeah, out on exactly. that because... Because Bettman wants to leave his mark on the league. Exactly. However he can. Yeah. So, I, again, it's like... It's nice to see they're acknowledging bringing back the World Cup of Hockey, but it I don't even want it if it's, if it's but... going to be a, a slap-together shitty product. Just to be like, here you go, you finally got it. It's almost a slap in the face to be like, yeah, we know you'll just take this. Like, this will be good enough for you. Like... Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, like it's, you know, hopefully we get a little better alternative than what it's sounding like it, uh, from that. But it's kind of sounding like that's that's the direction that it's, you know, kind of going in right now. So we'll just kind of have to keep an eye on it and see uh, how how that progresses. Yeah, hopefully... Hopefully there's some better news on it at some point. I definitely think that it sounds like the Olympics is a very large talking point for the next NHLPA uh, agreement, the mm-hmm. next players agreement. It sounds like that's one of the one of the top priorities for players going forward. So yeah, I think as as it should be. I think that's something that means a lot to the players and they they want that so they're gonna do everything in their power to to get that yeah um moving on i got a couple other quick things here um similar to the predators against the abs uh tampa bay faced the absolutely streaking boston bruins a couple days ago and with four seconds left, Kucherov made an insane pass from behind the net to the far side for a one-timer to Stamkos. Four seconds left, they forced overtime and ended up winning in overtime, which 
not only handed the Bruins a loss that they have got very few of this year. I think they have one regulation yeah. losses and like either three or four OT losses. Well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll put it in this way for you. Going back to last season. Okay, going back to last season, this season. In the yeah. Bruins' last 100 regular season games, oh, they have a God. record of 79, 13, and 8. Fuck off, man. So, to put that into perspective... They're so good. Jesus. To put that into perspective, 79 times 2 plus 8. So, out of 200 possible points, they've gotten 166. That's so That's over stupid. 75% point percentage for them over their last 100 games that's that is ludicrous i can't believe they're doing this with a guy like bergeron retiring and Krejci. Like, like let's not forget Krejci. yeah like it like it's it's absolutely wild like and, if you told me that you know back when they were that wagon in uh you know 2020 and whatnot if you said like yeah they're gonna lose chara bergeron Krejci. And and there's and even Tukarask, and they're still now gonna be they're you better. know from, from, from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty four, they're they're gonna be the best team in the league in the regular season and just dominate like it's, it's crazy. It's in, insane. Yeah. So was, and I was I was very surprised uh that we were able to win it in the OT. Um I kinda I I like obviously not with four seconds left, but like in the last minute I did see the goal coming. Tampa had insane pressure absolutely beautiful keeping by headman too the puck got like launched down the ice and headman just like with it barely wasn't a high stick but he batted it down straight on the blue line to keep it in mm -hmm. uh so we scored and then hagel ended up getting the ot winner that was our first win in three on three overtime since december of last year tampa bay has not been good in three on three overtime we we get we lose the face off the majority of the time, and also whenever we get the puck, we just play like normal and like take the shot, do the thing, and other teams just skate in circles for three minutes until they see the opening. And it's so frustrating watching them do that for so long, and then we get the puck and just like sprint in there and try and score quickly and give it back. So yeah. that was that was very cathartic to see us win, especially against a Boston team like that. In overtime, yeah, I yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree to couldn't agree more. I think that's just a huge momentum booster for Tampa Bay, especially when you know they've it's now kind of looking like they're going to get Vassy back. So I think that's something that you know they, they really needed to, earlier today. Yeah, so yeah, that just shows you right there that Vassy is going to be back soon. That's huge for Tampa because you know there's. Not many well, teams that are really giving Boston a run for their money so far over there in the no. East. No, absolutely. So hopefully, hopefully some of these teams can start uh, beating up on them a little bit because man, they are—they're a wagon. Yeah. Um, I only got two more things. I don't know. You tell me where. Where do you want me to start? The East or the West? Uh, we just talked about the East, so we'll go West. We're going back to Edmonton. We're going back to the Oilers. Because it's always I gotta these ask fucking you guys. Now, it's always these guys. Through their first 18 games, they are 5-12-1. They have 11 points. They are 
10 points outside of playoff spot right now. They just got whacked by Carolina last night. You could see McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, upset on the bench, you know, patting each other. What do they Visibly do upset. Like, like, what? Like, it's starting to reach that breaking point where it's like, the Oilers are, are, you know. People were speculating them being upset the last few years. They're speculating it because they didn't have a cup. Now people have some proof. They are upset. Yeah. And so I'm going to break this down because I've been seeing it constantly, like constantly. And the responses and replies is, it's just hard to wrap my brain around it. Okay. So obviously goaltending is the issue there. The goaltending has sucked all year. The Oilers do not have an NHL caliber goalie on their team. They don't right now. In terms of their players at their current playing level, none. I don't, I mean, I want to see where you're going with this, but I do no, have so a bit of an I'm issue with that. Just because Skinner's not an NHL goalie, but he is nowhere near playing like one. Yeah, but it's not his fault. It's their goaltending coach. I saw the other day it's, that they have the same goaltending the coach above. from like 2010. It's all of the above. Like, like they've been, and you can even throw the blame on the on on the defense because the defense has also been atrocious. Like that's not to say the defense is off the hook, but the arrow everyone's like the the area every, everybody's pointing towards is the goaltending. Yes, and what's the most common one? Oilers fans saying, "Go out and get Carter Hart from the Flyers." Right. No, that will not happen and i can guarantee that 100 percent. because first of all the flyers are doing very well right now they are yeah they are wildly like what are they right now i think they're second in the metro or third like they're up there they're in a playoff spot right now they are fighting and battling and if you have uh john tortorella as a coach you are not thrown in the towel and being like all right we're giving up you are you are seeing it through and you are riding um like you're you're riding that out with with your team and uh, i'm just trying to pull it up here because this is kind of the big one and i just want to outline um the importance of it. just give me one second here but yeah no so like the the whole like Philly's just not moving Carter Hart. And even if you do, obviously you're going to have to trade Jack Campbell. And then you're going to have to attach at least a first and a prospect to get rid of him. Not to mention everything you're going to have to give up to get Carter Hart. If you're Edmonton, you're trading your entire, your entire future. It's going to be within the next three first. It it very well might be. And so here's the biggest thing. Carter Hart played on the 2018 Canadian World Juniors team. Yeah. Now, that's not to say Carter Hart's guilty. He he did it. No one knows. We are not saying he did it or didn't. Um, this is just... I'm just stating something here. But if the Edmonton Oilers go out and give up all this for Carter Hart and say, if, and a big if, if he was one of part of the guilty party in that, the Oilers are now completely screwed. And I see people saying, like, yeah. well, the league will just reverse the trade. No, they won't. Why would they? If both sides consent to this trade, it happens. And then it finds out, oh, Carter Hart is guilty in it. The Oilers don't just get a free pass and be like, okay, you get all these picks and stuff back. It's like, no, you're 
this is your problem now. So I I think under normal circumstances, under normal circumstances, they definitely wouldn't, uh, or they wouldn't do that. But especially under a league run by Gary Bettman, who traditionally doesn't care much for Canadian teams and loves his American teams, especially the old ones like the Philadelphia Flyers. There's absolutely no way he's doing that. I already think they wouldn't generally, but especially under and Bettman, it, that's not and it, getting it reversed. does sound like we're going to get um, some more clarity on who the guilty players are. Um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, it sounds like we're kind of narrowing down to eventually figuring it out. But that being said, the Oilers can't take a risk like that because they need to, they needed to make a move weeks ago. And now with how bad yeah. Jack Campbell is, he's in the HL. I get he got a shutout the other night. Other than that, he's been awful. He has to be moved out if you're bringing in another goalie. Like, yeah. that's just, it has to. Especially if you're getting a goalie that's actually of, you know, can be a winning goalie on a Stanley Cup team, he's going to have salary. And that salary has to move moved out with Jack Campbell. So they're going to have to sell their entire future to get a goalie that that that, that maybe can be the difference maker to get him back in the playoffs. And that's a maybe at that. And so yep. you can't take that much of a risk on a guy right now where, again, not, not saying he's guilty, not saying he's not. It's just nobody knows. And nobody's going to know. Well, until it's already it's a bit of a question mark, you know, because yeah. even if he's completely absolved, Carter Hart could come over and not be great. Like yeah, we, we we've seen it last year with Philly. He ha- yeah, he hasn't had a track record of being a world beater. Like he's been good and he's projected to be elite at some point, but he hasn't really got there. It's hard to tell mm-hmm. because he's been on Philly, but you know that would that would be yeah. just as bad for the team if he showed up. It was just horrible. Yeah, there's just they got a lot of issues there right now. You know, I, th- I think even if you go out and get a goalie, I think you still got to go out and make a trade for another defenseman because their defense is just horrible. I mean, even their offense is going like, it's just like, I get their goaltending hasn't been good and it, it does deserve its fair share of blame, but you got to start pointing to the defense and the forwards and like Carolina scored a couple goals the other night where McDavid and Drysdale were out there and they just, they didn't give a shit. They're there just, was one you know, really bad one where I don't both know which of them one, were pylons. Yeah. I don't know which one's supposed to be the in the, you know the centerman out there and which one's playing more of a wing because they kind of rotate, it seems. But they let they left a guy all alone in front by himself, and they were both standing there and they watched it. And I it's again, I mean the goal the goaltending has been horrible, but I think there is also other areas that you know deserve to take to share some of that blame. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of the big thing for why I think even if they go out and make a goalie move, it's not going to be for Carter Hart. It's, it would be for, for someone else. I don't know who, but I think that's kind of where it's looking like for the Oilers right now. And I think they, I mean, if you're Ken Holland, you know, your contract's up at the end of the year, you know, you're out the door anyways. So you might as well ship off everything you can. It's not even yours. If yeah, and try just to and try and maybe keep your job, and then you know figure it out later. But yeah, it's just just a tough position for them, and it's it's only going to keep getting worse unless they they make a move somewhat soon here. Yeah, 
and uh, I just brought it up just so uh, just to make sure I was getting the right info because it's what I think is the real issue with Edmonton. Um, Dustin Schwartz has been the team's goaltending coach since November of 2014. And they've gone through a lot of different coaches and a lot even more goalies in that time. And none of them have stuck for very long. But look, but look at Mike Smith, though. He was great when he was there. The only issue was is he just injuries and got too old. Cam Talbot was was great. They just chose not to resign him. Like they've had goalies. The thing is, Those is are they just very old they never... goalies, though. The goalies that the thing... you know, they've got younger goalies now, like Skinner, who need a coach to mentor when, them. And when when Cam Talbot like was there, he was he was just he was in his prime. He wasn't even considered a, an old goalie in the league. I think the Ed the Oilers issue has always just been they don't want to pay their goalies. They want to find that goalie like a, like an Aiden Hill or something. They can come in and be making league minimum or $2 million and be their guy. And then all their other money can go towards their numerous first overall picks or top 10 picks or, or whatever. But I think until they eventually realize, like, look at, I mean, kind of maybe push Vegas to the side a bit, but look at all the other teams that have won the cup recently, got like stellar top 10 in the league goaltending, Vasilevsky, uh, Kemper, um, Braden I mean, Holtby. Bennington for that one year, Braden Holtby was another one, like Corey Crawford, Jonathan Quick. It's like even Matt Murray when he when like it, it's you, you need that goalie people consider one of the best in the league to to be able to kind of win a cup. And Edmonton can't do that if they keep just cycling through goalies and being like, okay, maybe this will be our cheap goalie that that can do it all. It's like, you're, yeah, you gotta you gotta have a a good goalie who you're paying a lot if you really wanna wanna have a chance at at getting it done. And until they do that, they're just gonna keep running that same cycle that they've been in for what feels like forever now. Yeah, that's fair. And if they're gonna go all in on you know winning it like Vegas with an Aiden Hill, some random goalie that just ends up doing it for you act like vegas you know go out there be aggressive yeah. you know go get your jack eichel at the trade deadline like i guess you could say they definitely did that last year with um ekholm but that's the first year they've really made that big trade at the deadline and that's why i think the, the biggest really makes problem was they fired woodcroft first because that's kind of the the biggest drastic change you can make to a team it's like okay you fired woodcroft you brought in not block and it's still not working. So it's like, now what? You can't just fire this coach and be like, all right, we're bringing in a new one. It's like, you're at a position now where it's like, you either ride this out and just have an abysmal year and you probably lose uh, one of McDavid or Drysaddle because they're fed up. Or two, you got to sell the farm for a goalie now. Like that's the position that they're in. It's you ride it out or you make a goalie trade because... They just don't have a goalie that's that's going to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's really not much more to say on it, honestly. Yeah, no. And again, it's it's not to rag on the Oilers. It's just it's just they they need to make a move now if they want to turn it around. And I still think they can, but you've you've got to make a move for a goalie. You can't keep riding this bus that keeps falling apart on them. Yeah, and. They, they Honestly, can. 
I I do think they get back into the playoffs. I don't see them missing the playoffs this year, even with the start that they've had. But they, they can't with this team. I mean, it's not an incredibly different team from last year. Like, but, but the way I think they right could. Now, they just have to be able to put it together. Like out of the remaining like sixty-ish games, so that's a total of one hundred and twenty points there. Like they gotta get about. 85 to 90 points out of that. Because I think that's the bar pretty doable, the, especially in the, the bottom, Pacific, though. But that's the thing, though, is when you've got teams like Vegas, Vancouver, and uh, LA, that's tough. And then you look at the wild card, and a lot of central teams are, are probably going to squeak in there. Like Winnipeg's look good, uh, even surprisingly St. Louis, as much as I hate to say it. And then you've still got the <laughs> the big teams up top, like the Colorado and the Dallas, and yeah, and whatnot. So I, th- I think they're they're in a tough position, and I don't think they're going to get it done with with yeah. the current goaltending situation. Like it has to change. Yeah, I definitely think they uh, they should be making changes. But even if they don't, I personally still just see them making it. I just think having the talent, the top tier talent that they do is just undeniable and eventually it's going to pick up like but again they're, they're, it's, it's been a lot of the rest of their team but also mcdavid hasn't played like mcdavid this year dry saddle hasn't played he's, like he's Drysaddle never going to now well dry saddle we don't know what his deal is mcdavid we know he's fighting an injury and they're in a position now where he's not going to be 100 percent because he can't take that time off now because they're in such a deep hole yeah. So I don't know if you can even get McDavid to 100% this season to really try and drag the team himself going dry side. I mean, he's, he's doing all right, but I mean, there, there's a reason McDavid and dry side will never in their career even be a thought for the Selkie. That's just, that's not in their game. That's not, yeah. they're, they're offensive players. They're not a, a Sidney Crosby do it all. They're strictly offense and try to carry the team offensively. To be and fair, Crosby wasn't just, that guy in his earlier years either, you know? Neither was Stevie he's, White he's still pretty in his good. He's still pretty good defensively, though. But, like, McDavid and Drysaddle are just, they're bad. Like, I get they have those flashes of brilliance, but on a consistent basis, it's, it's not there. Yeah, I think, I think McDavid is fine defensively. He definitely, you know, I think it's he's almost one of those Eric of Carl- for it. Yeah, I think he's I'm one of those Eric Carlson situations where the coach is like, dude, don't even worry about it. You worry about the other end. Um, dry, but at least McDavid seems to back check sometimes. The amount of clips I've seen of Drysidle just yeah. not caring at all. He's like still coming across the red line when the other team scores. But see, like, that's the thing. Look at it. Look at all the teams that have won the cup recently. Everybody buys into playing everything doing it all yeah like it's not like when Tampa won the cup it's not like Kucherov like is out there slacking off back checking not like not giving a shit like he's he's coming back and fighting Braden Point is Stamkos is Vegas they had four lines that did it all you can't have certain players where you'd be like you're our offensive guys don't worry about defense and then expect your fourth liners to pick up that slack like that's yeah and if you're playing 20 over 20 minutes a night you gotta you gotta play both ends yeah, if you want to win exactly 
And Kucherov, uh, traditionally, he is very meh in the regular season, and then he starts back-checking in the playoffs. This year, he's been back-checking the whole year so far. It has been so yeah. fun to watch. He looks faster back-checking than he does going up the ice. It's It's yeah, been really fun to watch. Yeah, has been very, very good for Tampa so far. Like, so far throughout the season. Which might have to do with their new... I believe they have a new defensive coordinator. Okay. So, that would make sense. That being said, a lot of people uh, online want us to get rid of him because... Uh, the defensemen in our defensive system aren't playing as well. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, and that'll happen. There, there's obviously some kinks that need to some growing be worked pains out with the that, but it, it, Yeah, it's, it a, it's look clearly like it's a different system. Tampa right now, so. No. Um, and then, yeah, just the last thing before um, we hop into our last couple things is um, coming out of Boston, uh, Milan Lucic has, has now been arrested. Right. Which has kind of been the biggest um, news around the league over the last week. And he has been arrested on suspicion of uh, domestic violence. Um, so that's kind of a whole ongoing thing with him. He's obviously not a part of uh, the Bruins organization right now. He's, he's, he's stepped away. They're not commenting on it at this time. So he's actually kind of entered, up to the whole entered the, legal uh... procedure to happen. And, he entered the uh, player assistance program just the other day as well. Oh, so did he? Oh, that's a. Okay. Uh, so there we go. At the very least, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. So again, I mean, not much to kind of cover on it, just to to bring it to light for those who didn't know, because it, it's still an ongoing Currently investigation, happening. and there's there's lots to happen with it. So we'll kind of just wait until the whole situation uh, kind yeah. of sorts itself out and then we'll we'll have more to to go on from there because we really don't have much it's very interesting because it's it's one of those almost soap opera situations it sounds like she she's calling in and being like yeah he's doing this and then the detectives show up and they're like we think he did this this and this and she's like yeah no, it was just this one thing so yeah. it's like it it's so weird and his and he denied everything so his story is nothing happened. The detectives say there was broken shit all over the house and he was he was choking her or whatever. And then she's saying, no, he just pushed me or something. Yeah. So, so there's, yeah. there's three different stories going around from three people who were <laughs> very close to it. So it's uh, yeah. until anything uh, is published, there's not much to say on it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do you have anything left before we kind of hop into our final, um, uh, yeah, I'm just going to read out some of the league leaders real quick. Oh, right. Yeah. Good call. All right. Uh, still leading, uh, now currently the sole leader of points in the league. My God, it's Quinn Hughes. Yeah. He's having an Eric Carlson season. Yep. Although Kale McCarr is up at 29 all of a sudden. So. Yeah, McCarr's got like 18 points in the last eight games or something. He's been on a uh, just a heater. Yeah, they're right up there. Uh, Bedard with 16 points, leading rookies in points. I believe he's, he's leading goals. them in goal. I was going to say, I think he's got 10 goals so far as Although well. His, his two line mates are, are gone. Yeah. 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 Taylor uh, Hall. Taylor Hall's out for the injury. Corey Perry's. MIA. No one knows where he is. I was going to say, I just saw that there's reports that he's just kind of 
like not around, a, which is like he was a healthy a, scratch for a, a game, and scary. then. Nick Foligno was asked about it, and he just said, we don't know where he is. We hope he's doing well, though. And so no one really has an idea on what's kind of going on with Corey Perry, where he's at. But we do know for sure that uh, that Taylor Hall is is done for the year now. So that's a big, big hit for the Blackhawks. But what do they care? They're, they're going for their first overall pick. Yeah. Um, just like everyone predicted, we got the Rangers and the Islanders at the top of save percentages. A 940 yeah. for Jonathan Quick and a 934 for Semyon Varlamov. Both the backups. <laughs> yeah, right? Not even Shesterka and Sorokin. We finally have a sole owner of uh, first place in shutouts, Tristan Jari with three. Yeah. He's been a really bright spot on Pittsburgh this year. Yeah. Him and, him and Crosby are... Really trying to bring the team along. That that first line has been great for Pittsburgh so far. Yeah. Who is it? Yeah. Uh, Crosby, Rust, and Gen- is Gensel. Is it still Gensel? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so that's uh, good for good for Pittsburgh. And can I fucking sort this by? Division? No, I'm just getting teams one through thirty-two. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. so we can kind of be able to do it. Oh, never mind. The top four are all from different divisions. I can do this. Uh, oh, leading the leading the Atlantic with thirty-one points, the Boston Bruins. Leading the Pacific is the Vegas Golden Knights with thirty points. Uh, leading the Metro is the New York Rangers with twenty-seven, and the Central is led by the Dallas Stars with twenty-six. Yeah, it's kind of. I'm I'm not surprised by any of those. I mean, I I I still thought New Jersey would have been the top of the the Metro, but I think we're, we've kind of seen with them now. If I mean, I I know Nico Heischer's already out, but without Jack Hughes, that team looks so lost and they're floundering. So I think a he was big scoring close to like like two and a half points a game to start the year. So it does make sense they'd fall off without. Yeah, him, but the, with the rest of the roster they have. Uh, they, they should, should be not, doing better. They should not be tied in points with the Calgary Flames, like what I'm seeing yeah. here. That's rough. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe if they had a Mackenzie Blackwood. Actually, I don't think goaltending. Well, I don't know if goaltending's been an issue for them. I don't think it's been a bright spot for them, but I just definitely didn't think they would be as far down as they are at this point in the season. Yeah. I mean, 3.82 goals against average. We need just them to a, go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So. We need them in the Eastern Finals. Like they have to make it. I think I think them oh. and the Oilers are the two teams that can make that jump to make the playoffs. Every other team I'm looking at that's like down in twenty or lower. I don't think though any of the other teams are coming back. I just Pittsburgh don't see is number the twenty making so the playoffs now. And again, it's not. It's, 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 a, it's not it's that I don't road. want them to. I just it's a tough I don't road. see it. And I know people love to talk about the St. Louis Blues, and it's like, that's a a one-in-200-year event type thing. Like, that very, very rarely happens. Oh, that. I thought you meant the Blues doing good this year. I was like, what are you talking oh, about? No. I'm the only guy who's gassed this team no, up no, in no. history. Back, back when they, they won the Cup, but people are like, yeah. well, the Oilers could do that. It's like, that. it's just, just such a night-and-day thing. Like, it's it's not going to happen twice in a, in a five-year span. Yeah. But if the Oilers say win their next six seven games i think they're right back in it 
Yeah. But if they and only the thing, win two or three of their next a team seven, with this skill can do that when they you need, need a team to. That gives a shit though. Yeah, I think as it gets closer to, oh shit, we might actually miss the playoffs because like last year they went nuclear in March, and I think bite I have a the bullet. It's gonna February, March. It's they're gonna turn it up. I think they bite the bullet. You sit McDavid for two weeks, let him heal. Because what were they after the trade deadline last year? They were like. 14 1 and 2 or something like that. Like they were had an insane record. Yeah. Or since the Ekholm trade, like right before the deadline. Like it was It might even have been better. Know, it might have been like 16 and 1. Like it like they like were if, unstoppable yeah. for March. Like if you can sit McDavid, let him get healthy. If you got it sit dry sidle, fine. You know what? Put your faith in guys like Nugent Hopkins and Kane and then get at fully 100 percent McDavid and Dry Sidle and just try and let the team get it done. But I think if you keep forcing an injured McDavid potential injured dry saddle to carry the load, it's just it's not gonna happen. Yeah. And I mean it what happens if can. McDavid gets hurt worse? Or what what if you squeak yeah. into the playoffs and now you've got a very tired and busted up McDavid for the playoffs? I'm sure he's gonna yeah. love then that. You're just getting you're getting swept against a Vegas or, or Dallas round one. Yeah, because you'd be facing one of the best teams because you only squeak in. So Yeah. Yeah, they they gotta they gotta do something. With that being said, though, do we want to pop into our final topic here now for, for the episode? Uh, yeah, I'm good for that. All right. Do you want to give a brief, uh, brief breakdown of what we're doing here? Okay. So I uh, got more, more knowledge on, on exactly what we're doing. Yeah. So for anyone who uh, follows us on uh, Twitter slash X, uh, I made a post uh, maybe a week and a bit ago um, asking what what five traits would you give to a baseline elite player to try and make them one of the greatest players of all time so in this in this exercise this player that you're giving these traits to is like elite in whatever sense you think of it they are elite across the board and then you give them specific nhl player past or present their traits so if you want to give them like, you know, McDavid speed kind of thing, you know, and you do mm. that for five different things, we're trying to do it a little more, a little more uh, in depth than that. So as an example, I'll say my first one, my first thing for an ideal player is McDavid's ability to handle the puck at top speed, because he's not exactly the fastest player in the league, but nobody can make moves like he does at his top speed. Mm-hmm. and so yeah. yeah if you mix that with an elite player speed on a player then that would be absolutely lethal mm-hmm. uh, yeah. do we want to go yeah, back and forth with these yeah we can um, like I said I've only got a couple off the top of my head a couple I'm going to have to wing um, but the first one I would go with would be yeah. giving um, which one do I want to go with? I would give a player Matt Barzell's um, edge work. Now, okay. When I say edge work, I mean his like his ability to quickly turn and um, his dynamic abilities and the edge of his skates to quickly pivot and turn and get out of uh, tight situations and corners. Because I I just don't think there's anyone in the league that that does it quite like him. The way he can quickly turn on a dime and 
swerve back and forth and whatnot, I think is is incredibly impressive. Yeah, he was he was on my radar. I almost went with edge work for either Quinn Hughes or Kale McCarr. Mm, those those also would have been solid because they they both walk the line and can change change directions at a moment's notice very yeah. subtly. So that's good. Um, I assume we've got similar like uh, category ones. So maybe we'll keep doing that. Like I just did one for skating. You did one for skating. Um, I'll mm-hmm. do one for shooting next. And okay. I, yeah, I like was... that. I'll just I'll, I'll go off kind of with the, the category you go with. So we kind of have a mixture of different categories. Yeah, I, okay. I was very close to going with Austin Matthews. Uh, wrist shot, but I ended up going with Stamkos's release. Okay. Just because I think he's got, I think they're both very similar with a wrist shot. Um, I think Austin Matthews might even have a bit better of one, but I think Stamkos's release also on his one timer is insanely accurate. Mm -hmm. He definitely doesn't have like that, you know, a hundred mile an hour power like Ovechkin, but he can place it with the best of them. Yeah. I'm. And, and so I'm, I'm going to take one from a defenseman here, actually. Oh, okay. shot. I'm Beauty? going to go with Brent Burns's um, snapshot. Brent Burns snapshot. Yeah. Okay. His ability from the blue line to in a matter of less than a second to be on a stick and he makes that quick move and whips it on net and it's usually on net and in a good position for guys to deflect or to get rebounds, I think is just incredibly impressive. And I think even with a forward, if they had the ability to pull off a, a shot like that within closer proximity, I think would be would be very um very successful. That's that's really interesting. You don't you know you don't hear about too many defensemen who have a good snapshot, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, them like, again, them like, a good uh, slap shot. I know Sergachev has a really good wrist shot, but like, I know you, you, could, you could go, you could go the route of like, again, Ovi's one timer, Bedard's little toe drag shot, or even Matthews, but I'm, I'm trying to pick ones that aren't as, aren't, aren't as like the very common basic ones you'd hear people pick. Yeah. Which is another reason I wanted us to be a little bit more uh, specific with it. Because, you know, just just going McDavid speed uh, and, you know, Crosby passing Ovechkin shot is pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, I was I didn't go with it, but I was very tempted to go with uh, Shea Weber's or Zdeno Chara's slap shot power. Yeah. To combo with Stamkos's release. Yeah, because like, can you imagine Stamkos placing a one timer, but now it's going at fucking 108 miles an hour? Exactly like, right. Like, it's like, just that'd be absurd, dude. Goalies would just be so upset whenever your team takes a penalty. Yeah, goalies would be would be hung out to dry. Um, my next one go- handles uh, really well with uh, McDavid the McDavid's ability to stick handle at speed. Um, I went with Pavel Datsuk's hands. Ooh. I, I almost yeah, went with Patty good. Kane, but I, I decided to go with Datsuk. He, dude has silky mitts. Gene, so whichever one you didn't pick for hands, I was taking the other, so I guess I'll go with Patrick Kane's hands. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. 
Those are kind of the first two that, you know, come to mind for when it comes to players with elite hands. So, yep. Another another underrated guy that comes up for me and it may be a bit more in his prime, which was a lot shorter than some of these guys. But Bobby Ryan. He had some Mm, sick hands. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah, he dude was an absolute gamer for quite a bit there in in Anaheim. Yeah. Um, my right, fourth, two more. Yep, my fourth one. I went with Sidney Crosby's puck battle because that dude has the mm. dog in him. Yeah. Yeah. I was That's I was tempted to, I was tempted to take somebody like you know. Somebody I've seen a lot more of that I know is really good, you know, like a Yanni Gord's puck battle. But yeah, so this one I'm, I'm going to do or, a little or... bit of a different um, category. Okay, <clears throat> I am going to go with, and this is not a homer pick because this is very fair. I'm going with Joe Thornton's vision on the ice. I could have guessed that as soon as you said this isn't a homer pick. As soon as you said that, Joe I was like, Thornton's it's Joe Thornton on passing the or something. Yeah. Is, I could have gone with passing, but his vision out there was, was just next level. The way he knew where guys were was taking a second of a glance, and he just immediately knew where to put the puck, the way he could open his body up to the play and see everything and make a, a, an amazing pass every time. I think was just it was super undervalued just because, like, oh, it's his passing, but, like, his vision and where he and his ability to know where guys were on the ice was such a huge part of that. Yeah. I I had two different versions of my list where one where I pick kind of more more current guys, some more out there picks that are a bit more, you know, I guess fun. They're like harder to guess that I would say them. And on that list I had Kucherov's vision. Okay. Um Joe Thornton was definitely up there, but I ended up going with Kucherov on that. But yeah. uh, for my final one on this list, uh, I just had Wayne Gretzky's I- hockey IQ slash vision. Mm. Like, I mean, yeah. both both Kucherov and Jumbo Joe are insane at knowing where people are and hitting those passes. But like, I mean, fucking the great ones, undeniable. Yeah, I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm going to another defenseman. Yo, I'm going to go with Nicholas Cronwell's hitting. Oh, if you're telling me you've got a player, I like that who can turn on their edges like Matthew Barzell and throw the body (laughs) like Nicholas Cronwell while still seeing the ice and passing like Joe Thornton. Like that's nuts. That's your elite power forward, man. Yeah, that's that's really good. So that's that's what I'm going with for my for my fifth one. Yeah, my my guy is the guy that uh, the guy that I've created is like one of those guys that gets a rule changed so that there is no uh, dueling penalties for four on four. Yeah, he's just such a dick offensively. But yeah, a guy being able to change directions that quick and absolutely <laughs> crawl you is very <laughs> fucked up. Right. <laughs> And can still like dangle like Patty came like that's just that's absurd, man. I I just at the end I was like, you know what, I'm gonna have fun with this and just make him the best power forward the league's ever seen. You know what? 
maybe uh maybe this won't be maybe we will maybe we won't it could be a segment on another episode but uh maybe we'll just do it on twitter or something and get people's reactions but we should uh together come up with a player like this using alumni and current players from each nhl team Ooh. so so like start you know start at the top of the league so like who are the what are the five best attributes you could take from ducks players yeah to make a player like that right that could be fun i could get behind that and then every team that's ever had gudas on it you just take gudas's hitting yeah gudas's hip checks pk suban slow foots (laughs) you can't tell me you wouldn't have that on your player Trying to, I'm trying to think of the guy. Who is it that? Uh, is it Kreider that Montreal fans hate? Yeah, that took out uh, Price allegedly. Yeah, when you do uh, Montreal, don't pick Price's knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Price's knees. I love Terry Price. I don't know why he just caught strays there, but it was it was right there. Oh, uh, no, yeah, but it was Kreider. That's pretty good it stuff. Kreider. Dude, you could pick Brad Marchand's tongue. Marchand's tongue, Chara's hitting. Lucic is at home life. <laughs> and Bergeron's can-do attitude. Yeah, there you go. Dude, that's a beast of a player. And then the tw- the 50-mile-an-hour wrist shot from Phil Esposito because he played the 70s. Yeah. We'll take Esposito's Sherwood stick. When you get to the LA Kings, don't forget to do Martin Furk's slap shot power. Ooh. What a bomb. Who was it um, the other night? Philip Peronek set like the NHL record for fastest slap or like fast, hardest shot recorded in a game. Really? It was like 100 and... I didn't see this. It was like 100 and something. I can't remember exactly, but it, it, they said it was the hardest shot recorded, recorded in an actual in a, game. During like, an actual NHL game, yeah. Because, I mean, it's a lot easier for, you know, fucking Chara to skate at an unmoving puck in the slot and just rip it. Yeah. Yeah, wonder, during an actual wonder, NHL game. I wonder how many guys on the ice were, like, looking back at him after, like, what the fuck, dude? We're all just here to play hockey. Yeah, like, do you think the goalie was like, holy fuck? Or do you just think it was just like a regular shot? Yeah. I, wonder if they I, the I genuinely wonder how like much, like, like once you're getting the numbers that high, you know, is how much harder is it to save 100 mile an hour versus 90? What about not yeah. 103 versus 100? Like, because you know, every goalie's got a specific, like, speed of shot that's easiest for them. Like, we've seen some goalies struggle yeah. when it's a, a, a weaker wrist shot. Where it's not as hard, whereas a hard slapper, they can easily just boom. Did you see muscle uh, memory? Did you see Radko Gudis's goal uh, about Fuck a week off. ago now? Stop. <laughs> oh, that what was a shit goal, the man. Sharks, wasn't it? What a shit goal that was. <laughs> what a fucking crock, man. It was such a beautiful block, too. You it, know was, me the most? it was it was great. You know what bugged me the most? Was that, that play? Was Market like the puck was coming on the shark side? Like it was a a fucking fadeaway shot there by Gudis on net. 50 feet in the air. The only person on the ice who saw where it was was Mark Edward Vlasic. So instead of telling Blackwood, 
hey, man, back the fuck up. It's coming in right above you. He jumps up and tries to swipe at it, misses it by probably five feet. Wasn't even close. And it goes yeah. in. It's like, why didn't you move into the crease and swat at it or tell your goalie? Why did you jump up when you're nowhere even in the vicinity of it yeah. to try and hit it? What a shit goal. Like, yeah. For, uh, for, those so who for those who haven't seen the goal, Gudis takes a shot like right on the blue line and a guy comes out and blocks it on him. And it literally just flies up like damn near into the rafters. Like one or two guys on the ice see it. Everyone else assumes it went out of play and it just arcs perfectly and falls directly into the net. Like that, it was some mighty ducks shit, which I yeah, guess is actually. fitting for that team. But yeah, that, that was, was, it was tough. That was fucking goofy. Dude, the sharks are not the team that needs that kind of shit happening to them. Like Dude, they're going to go down as one of the worst teams in NHL history. Like we've accepted that it's, they are bad. Yeah, they're bad. And it's a coaching change isn't happening. There's just, I mean, no more help to be brought in. Like at first it was like, okay, we just got to wait till Kachur comes back and that'll help sort out a lot of issues, both defensively, offensively, leadership in the room. He yeah. might not even be back this year. Yeah, uh, that'll be tough. If you're a Sharks fan, fucking buckle up. It's going to be a long year. Um, the only thing that, like if, if, if they go on to have the worst season ever in the NHL, which they very well could, and they don't even get the first overall pick, like that'll be trash. That, that, that just sets your franchise back another another couple years. Like, don't get me wrong, all all three guys going in the top um, three are phenomenal, but if you have that first overall pick, that just excels your rebuild so much further. You know how much it does this year, because like. I mean, a lot of years, like, you know, Bedard year, like, obviously, but like, yeah, like, you know, it's not a Bedard Stav- year, but Stavkovsky isn't going to pull the Canadians out any faster than the other like, guys it's, went, it's, right? It's not like, uh, it's, I would say it's in between like, uh, a Connor Bedard, McDavid, Matthews. I, I would say it's like a Jack Hughes year almost, maybe. Okay. Okay. Like, it, it's not the buildup of like Austin Matthews, McDavid, Bedard, but it's not like a, we don't it's, know who's going first around. It's highly becomes... compared to to franchise guy, or I guess yeah. franchise guy compared to generational almost. But but it's but then it's not like a a Slavkovsky. Is it going to be like a him or a Shane Wright, or is it going to be Nolan Patrick, or is it going to be Heischer? Is, mm-hmm. is it going to be Hall or, or Sagan? Like it's not like a a guy that know who's you, going you know who's going to be like an elite player, but he's going to be like a yeah yeah you know like a a 60 to 70 maybe hits 80 points type of guy. Whereas I think this year with Sabrina, you're probably getting a, a consistent, probably 80 to 90 point guy. So I, I would say maybe a step below like a Jack Hughes. Okay. Um, that's fair. Probably around he, what uh Lafreniere was projected to be, I guess. Yeah. Like it's still Obviously enough not that what he's done, but when you get him, you know, you've got like a first line that's franchise fair. center. You can build around like he, he's a guy you can build around going forward. Yeah. I know a lot of people love using the the terms from the NHL games, you know, top six, the elite guys, the franchise guys. I really I think those games need to add generational. There needs to be one higher than franchise. Yeah, like I, I would say it's not a franchise. It's not a medium lead. I would say it's high elite. It's, it's right fair. in between. That's very fair. But um, with that being said, I don't, did you have anything else you wanted to 
add in uh, here before we before we sign off? I don't have anything to say about it other than uh, if you haven't seen Zach Benson's first NHL career goal, yeah. go go YouTube that up. It'll take you a yeah. minute and absolutely beautiful between the legs goal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal stuff from him. Zach Benson. Yeah, yeah. If if you wanna wanna see someone score a highlight reel first NHL goal, that is uh that is the one to watch. Um but aside from that, uh thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the Stick 'em Up podcast. Again, we have uploads coming out every Friday at noon. Um eventually we're gonna get around to uh, maybe, maybe some additional episodes throughout the week. I know we do have something coming up within the near, near somewhat near future of of doing something big. Um, we obviously won't get into that now, but in sometime in the future, we will we kind of give more more up. light on that. And again, yeah, if you want to chat with us, let us know your thoughts on the season. Uh, any questions you want us to address on the podcast, you can always. Um, Reach out to us, engage with us on both Twitter and Instagram, or Twitter slash X, I should say, um, if that's what you want to call it by. Uh, we are on both of those at SEU Hockey, so just three simple letters and then hockey. You can find us on both those platforms. And again, send us a message, tag us and stuff, comment, uh, anything, and we will make sure to respond to you or we will address it here on the podcast um, at some point. So feel free to do that. And again, thanks for listening, and we will catch you guys in the next one.